Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norton. I'm joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. And Carol Petz. Hello. As we embark on what is our Halloween special, uh, with a triple bill later on, uh, of our favourite horror films post-2010. Um, we'll explain why that specifically a bit later on. Also, what we've been watching. Um, there, well, starting off obviously with the news, but before all that, it is winner takes it all in the quiz. We've got poised nicely at two all at the moment between me and Carol, with Owen asking the question. Um, yes, a lot, lot of pressure on the both of us here. It's a six pointer. Six pointer. It's proverbial six pointer. Uh, it's more proverbial next goal wins, isn't it, down the park than than exactly. six pointer. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's already like eleven eight in real, you know, realistically. But it's actually next goal wins, and then we can all go home for our tea. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Okay. So I'll make a start then, shall I? We'll, yes. We'll go for it. Um, in nineteen ninety, they were in Dark Man. Carol. Yeah. Is it Liam Neeson? It isn't Liam Neeson. No. I don't know who else is in Darkman. I can't remember. It's been a while. I've never Good heard film, of though. Darkman. Oh, it's brilliant. Well, brilliant's it's probably pushing it a bit. Not away. brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's quite good. <laughs> okay, in 2007, they were in Spider-Man 3. Carol, I know who this is, actually. I bet you do. Yeah. yeah, it's Bruce Campbell, isn't it? It's Bruce Campbell. I totally, I just remembered he turns around at the end, doesn't he, of Darkman, and it's Bruce Campbell, and I just remembered it just after, <laughs> I, just after, <laughs> just after I said it. Yes. Yeah, Carol gets to um, take a ball home with her, and she's won. Give me that ball. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is this is what you've won: uh, the right to make me and Owen watch a film. I've got a doozy for you. Right, this this is obviously, you know I'm into my bad films. And this is comfortably, it's comfortably in the so bad it's good category. I don't know, actually know whether either of you guys have seen it. Have you ever watched uh, The Room? No. <laughs> That's I what haven't. you're going to watch. I am going to make you watch The Room. Tommy Wiseau's masterpiece. There are, uh, there's a good trailer on YouTube for it, which basically, if, if you look it up, will tell you pretty much everything you need to know about the film. Uh, basically, tell me what I don't think he's actually made a film after this. He basically lives off this film. Uh, he's like at the Prince Charles Cinema every two weeks or something doing a Q and A about it. They have it on all the time. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you watch it. 
for some reason, for some bizarre reason, it's not even on Netflix. So uh, I, I will have to supply you with a copy, and uh, you can tell me afterwards what you think. I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch it with you because I haven't watched it for a while. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you'll have to. We'll all have to watch it before next week. That'll be yeah. nice. Um, you're not the first person who's said it's so bad it's good. I've had lots of people tell me, "Oh, you'd really love that because it's so bad it's good." I don't so think you're going to love quite... it at all. You don't think so? Oh, great, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> this is quite you old might... school, though, isn't it? Just sort of like passing a crappy video around with your mates. No one's got a copy. It's not about annoying anyway. This what's is it all absolute, about the room. What's the, what's the, all about? the room is uh, it's a story of uh, a man, Tommy Wiseau. I can't actually remember his character's name at the moment. Who suspects his girlfriend is is cheating on him with his best friend? That's probably the the less you know, the better. So that's that's all I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a masterpiece of of acting, of directing, everything. It's uh, it, it's truly wonderful. It's, this is better better be. So bad, it's good. If it's so bad, it's bad. I'm gonna go back to recommending awful, awful <laughs> stuff. Put uh, it this way: if, if it's again. worse, it's no worse than Run for Your Wife, and that was the last one I was. That it's much better than Run for Your Wife, because Run for Your Wife is actually making a serious effort to be a proper film. I think The Room is also making a serious effort, but it just fails harder. And it's, but it's, it's hilarious. It's not like, oh my god, what is this? You know, there's, there's so much misogyny and, and, uh, and homophobia here. There's, you know, there's no homophobia. It's just, it's just very, very funny. Intentionally funny? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fine. I think Tommy has, since, since it's released, I think Tommy has embraced the, the fun. And actually, the, the other guy who's in it, um, Greg Sestero, has actually made a documentary about the making of it, which is incredibly meta. So, uh, <laughs> I'd quite, I'd quite like to see that at some point. But for now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it with you guys. I'm gonna go through it with you. Don't worry. Good. Good. <laughs> uh, news time now. And when we started, when we wrote the agenda for the running order for tonight's podcast, the news was, mainly in this area, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch in talks to play Doctor Strange. Marvel have now shat all over that um, <laughs> by dropping some massive movie bombs um, and announcing their, their movie lineup for the next three years, including some character and plot spoilers, uh, or not spoilers, but hints. Uh, yes. Yes. So we're going to have... We're going to have um, some new characters introduced. Black Panther's going to be be introduced. Captain Marvel, female-led film, that one's going to be, I believe. And The Inhumans, which I don't really know anything about because I don't read comics. Um, but hopefully someone could shed some light on what they're all about. Uh, no, I haven't read yeah. The Inhumans at all, I'm afraid. Yeah, listeners, like... t- tweet us, please tell us, because yeah. I have no idea, really. I need to, I need to do some research, definitely. The, the rest of them very au fait. Black Panther's obviously been around for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, um, actually provided the name for the original kind of civil rights, uh, group, uh, Black Panthers. Uh, they took the name from the character. Um, I didn't know that. That's, in, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, because he was the first kind of majorly, I don't know whether he or Falcon, so he was definitely the first one to have his own title. Um, but, yeah, they they took the name from from the character in the sixties, I think it was. Um, so yeah, that's that's going to be really exciting. And obviously, he's already been cast. 
Um, mm-hmm. some, well, people is... are su- some people are suggesting that he might be um, cameoing in... He's obviously already been announced he's going to be in Captain America 3. Some people are suggesting he might even be in Avengers Age of Ultron with, with, with Vibranium, which is from Wakanda, which is where... Exactly. Pat, but yeah. Already been mentioned, so there's a slight chance he might appear... You know, that's just all rumour and conjecture at the moment. Um, but I suppose, in a way, it's, it's quite a positive step and one that we're probably going to make for a while announcing some of these new films and characters as it's been a pretty um, white male-led film series at the moment, hasn't it? Yeah. If we're honest. And yeah, a big absolutely. green one. And a big green yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Let's not yeah. be greenest here. But, yeah, um, but interestingly, they've not announced the standalone Hulk film at the moment, have they? No, he was, uh, Kevin Feige was asked about that because I was watching the uh, announcement as it happened this, uh, this evening. Uh, he was asked about that and, and he's, uh, basically there are no plans. Uh, I think probably because he's already had two bites of the cherry, to be honest. They've already done their, their whole thing. And to be perfectly honest, also, I think he's more interesting when he's in a, um, when he's in a group. I don't yeah. think he's a particularly interesting character on his own. Because, you know, who, who is he going to fight? The, the only people he's going to fight are going to be people that, like Ultron, that are going to involve everyone. You know, he's like the nuclear option. Yeah. Uh, that pun not intended. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but the only, he, I um, mean, it, it's also been rumoured or theorised that perhaps, perhaps, eventually, Marvel will lead to the Planet Hulk and World War Hulk stories as well. So maybe. So maybe after they've done this Avengers Infinity War, which is over two parts as well. Mm, which is interesting. A, yeah. In, interesting gambit. I mean, you may be, may be cynical enough to think, oh, they're just cashing in. You know, Harry Potter has done it, the, the Hobbit's done it by spreading it in one small book into three films. Maybe they're just cashing in, but with Marvel, obviously they are cashing in. Everything they make, they're cashing in. But you think there's a bit more to it than that. It's a bit more, they actually think about what they're doing rather than going, there's a dollar sign, we're chasing them. Yeah. Well, it's going more into sort of space opera territory anyway, isn't it, though? You've had Guardians of the Galaxy and the sequel was announced as part of this, this Marvel event. It, and you've it had already them. been announced, it's actually been brought forward. I brought think forward, it was yeah. originally meant to be a few months after, but now it's been confirmed as May the 5th, which is a big, you know, that's, that's like your Avengers type. Mm. Um, slot, so that's actually a really big promotion. Yeah. Uh, obviously, because Guardians of the Galaxy is now the best performing comic book film of the year as well. So, um, officially passed, uh, I think it was Days of Future Past, it, it passed this week. So, um, you know, that, that's well deserved in my opinion. So they're going for the big tentpole, that's basically going to be the big tentpole release is going to be, mm-hmm. um, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, in 2017. So, I mean, but yeah, back to the point we made a minute ago. So yeah, it has been, Pretty much white male led with the, the, the solo films being basically Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America. So now you've introduced, I mean, yeah, there's been black characters as supporting these as I, um, Iron Patriot slash War Machine and Falcon. Um, obviously Nick Fury as well. Nick Fury and, and Thor's mate who was at the job of Idris Elba. Oh, hi- yeah. yeah, string Idris- a bell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, string a bell, uh, in, in, um, Asgard. Yes. But no, but now you know it's not been. I mean, it's obviously been um, Black Widow as well as the female 
kind of character, but she's not had a standalone film or anything like that. And very much a, a secondary character. But now, obviously, with Captain Marvel, that's been a female. Black Panther, it's a, 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 a black superhero-led film. They've, they've diversified. I've not really seen much criticism of Marvel for for not being that diverse, but you could sense... There has been... been. Has there? Yeah, I, was say, I mean, I you have to be looking out for it, I guess. But yeah, um, yeah it's it's definitely been noticeable, especially in the um, in the sense that Black Widow's been so successful, but they haven't given her her own film. But to be honest, I don't really know how far you can go with her. I think as long as you keep her, um, she was quite important in uh, obviously Avengers and then Captain America: Winter Soldier. And I think as long as you keep like mining that scene, it sounds like they're going to keep her as a really important part in the Captain America film and, and the Avengers films, then I don't really know how much further you can go with her. Whereas, uh, Carol Danvers, you can, like, there's, there's loads of story there. I'm actually really excited and I can't wait to see who they're going to cast. They, nowhere near casting it yet, I don't think, but it's going to be, um, it's going to be really interesting. But, um, yeah, there, there definitely has been some backlash. I think, uh, probably, that Marvel were probably doing slightly better than DC in the, in that regard. Well, I, I think gonna, they're escaping it a little bit. But I was, was going to say DC done something similar in the last week or so and released their lineup of, of films and what's going to you know uh, you know which, which films are going to be happening when who's going to be in them which characters are going to lead them. Why has no one cared as much as what Marvel are doing? Is it because DC have have basically fucked it all up so far or? I'm going to hand that really one over harsh, to Owen. <laughs> that, I think that's really harsh to say that they've had one movie, to be fair. They've had Man of Steel. Yeah, so, so, all right, so, so if, if, if that's being harsh, why is no one caring that much, especially compared to, to Marvel? Where, when Marvel are dropping an announcement like this, everyone is losing their shit. When DC is, it's, oh, that's interesting, but, uh, okay. Well, I think because it's the the expectation from DC is they make a Wonder Woman film and they make a Batman film and they make a a Superman film. That's it. There's their big three heroes. The other guys like um, Green Lantern, you know, they could conceivably cast a black guy f- as uh, John Stewart as a Green Lantern, rather than recasting Hal Jordan, who was played by Ryan Reynolds in the box office bomb. I, I thought was. he was all right. Yeah, he, <laughs> he was. wasn't the he, problem with that film. <laughs> he wasn't. No, exactly. But you know, they could recast him as Jordan Stewart. There's that option for them. Obviously, Wonder Woman is a much more um, prominent character as part of the Justice League than really any female character has been for Marvel. Say for perhaps Black Widow, who was quite um, central to Avengers. But aside from that, she's not had her own. Movie, she's not been announced as being in her own movie. I think I don't. I don't really know what the the answer is. To be honest, I think DC there's more scope to do something like that because the characters already exist. Whereas with Marvel, they just put their big characters out there, like like Iron Man, who's become the massive central character, who is just a rich <laughs> upper class white guy. Um, well, yeah, you say they put their big characters out there, but they haven't because they sold off all their big characters in the 80s well, and 90s. Well, they did sell the X-Men and Spider-Man. Do you really think that if they still had X-Men and Spider-Man, we would we would just about now be getting an Iron Man film, I think. They just did what they could with, with what was left. I mean, 
Speaking well, as Captain a... America and Thor, they're massive. Still, great, uh, Hulk is huge, you... one of the most Hulk, successful Yeah, characters. Hulk is obviously very successful. But if you'd actually spoken to anyone who wasn't like an av- avid comics reader pre probably about 2005, they wouldn't be there to tell you who bloody Hulk, uh, who uh, Thor was. Like, oh, is it a guy from Norse mythology? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, sp- mm. I am a Marvel fan. And I'm just going to put that out in now. I don't know what you've noticed. But coming, <laughs> and I don't know a lot about DC, admittedly. But it feels like DC are very much kind of playing catch up with this whole thing and rushing everything. Whereas Marvel have been putting this together since 2005, I think the studio was made. And, you know, DC are very, and you know, they've, they've obviously built this whole universe. They've been doing it for ages. They've been interlacing stuff since, since the first Iron Man. Um, even though they didn't know at that time whether it was actually going to be a success, it sounds incredible now, but they mm-hmm. didn't know at the time because it was just a, you know, it, yeah, was, it was a very point. third, he was a very third rate character. But this whole, the whole DC roster that's been announced, and you know, you're, you're having films and you're having TV shows and the actors from the TV shows aren't the actors that are going to play those characters in the films. And it all just seems very rushed and very kind of, oh, we've got to do something here. I'm not a fan of like having studio wars or anything like that. I don't, that's that's just stupid. But um, it it does feel like that. So maybe that's why there isn't so much excitement about it because people are like just confused, basically. Uh, yeah, a lot of people don't really know which character belongs to which company anyway. I mean, we know a lot of people who probably listen to this know, but to to most people, they wouldn't know if someone like Iron Man is DC or Marvel until the film came out, or, you know, Black Panther probably, most no, people I, won't I, I know. Think, I think no. most people are aware that they're different companies, and that's why no one's talked about Batman turning up in Iron Man, or something like that. I think pe- most people are aware that they're set, run by separate companies. There's not I many... think a lot of people you don't, you don't confused see... about Arrow. I mean, some people thought that was Marvel, purely because, you know, Hawkeye he, was he in Hawkeye. Avengers. So. <laughs> yeah. Well... Uh, yeah, well, that character is. I, I think Arrow came screen. first, though, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. he's much better as well, Ollie. I mean, but I do but wonder anyway. whether DC's problems, because as I said, Marvel obviously uh, sold off their most popular um, characters uh, when they were on the verge of going bankrupt. I do wonder whether kind of DC's problem is the fact that they do still have their most famous characters, whereas Marvel haven't, and they've had to improvise. DC have Batman and Superman, and they're just going to stick them in everywhere. I hmm. saw I saw some sort of piss take of their roster where it's just basically Batman just pops up in every single film, <laughs> which is a joke. But actually, that, you can sort of see it happening. That's that's pretty much their approach to writing comics as well. Actually, at the minute, yeah. with DC. Oh yeah, everyone likes Batman. Well, this this series isn't doing particularly well. Oh, let's just have Batman cameo in it. That's yeah. it, really. And it's exactly. really annoying and cheap and lazy. And I'm sure the people who are writing these comics get pissed off at being told, just put Batman in it. Go on, just pull him in for this couple of pages. And it, that seems to be what they're, they're doing with the films as well. They're just saying, yeah, but Batman could appear in it. Uh, yeah, let's put Batman in. It's probably going to be popular and make us more money. Which is a shame. And I know it's kind of Warner Brothers, really, who make the films, but DC as well are people uh, who are going to oversee it at the same time. So it's... I don't really like just going back to the original point of the, the sort of diversity of the characters. Um, yeah, I don't really know what the answer is, Steve. I'm afraid. Good. Um, <laughs> well, well done. Um, Thanks. Yeah. So, um, other other news. The only other bit of news worth talking about. Also, a bit of an anticlimax now. 
uh, and this might be even more a bit anticlimactic, but apparently Interstellar has uh, opened, oh, not opened, but um, critics have given it mixed reviews um, and not been overly positive about it. I think what I've, from what I've read, which isn't very much because I've, I've been trying to avoid it a little bit, but what I've read is there was an enormous backlash of people saying it thinks it's really intelligent and therefore a lot of it is pseudoscience-y stuff. Which what, is like boring. Inception? Like Inception and like I said ages ago, it, the film it looks like to me, it, like Contact, you know, with Jodie Foster in. Oh, yes. Oh, God. That's kind of the vibe that I've been getting from it. Oh, People are a bit disappointed. Good lord. Yeah. But, is, but isn't that a, a, a Nolan problem anyway? He tends to make these grand spectacles of films that plots are a bit like, what? What's going on? Or a he bit is kind a, of. He's a big illusionist, really, isn't he? Because he makes what is quite a simple ish story. It is sometimes a bit complex, but then he turns it into a massive spectacle. Like Inception. Yeah, yeah like Inception. Example. I can't. You know, I couldn't get over how many people were telling me that film was really intelligent, and I was like, "Really? No, it's not. It's just a lot of people turning around." It's a high <laughs> film with a weird concept to it, and that's yeah. that's fine because it's still really enjoyable as what it is. Yeah, but, I but think don't try happened... and tell me it's intelligent for God's sake. <laughs> it's ripping well, off. A, it's ripping off a Ducktales episode, apparently. Yeah. It's ripping off um, Paprika, which is an anime yeah. that I saw. Uh, oh god, probably about ten years ago, and I think mm. he's actually acknowledged it now. I don't think he did it first, but um, yeah, it's it is a very clear and blatant rip off of. A pa- and I would definitely recommend that you see it if you haven't. Uh, yeah. It's much much better done. But the same director that is as the guy who did Perfect Blue, which is uh, one of my favourite animes. Oh, I didn't know it's that. Yeah, I think it is. Anyway. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so Interstellar from just from the bits that I've picked up. There has been a backlash from critics saying it thinks it's a lot more intelligent than it is. But unlike Inception, the spectacles just come from big visual space things that have been done better in gravity anyway. So, yeah. I don't know. I do like Nolan as a director. Like I say, even though there is always someone who comes out and says, it's not intelligent though, is it? It's just a heist film. Well, yeah, but so what? (laughs) He makes entertaining movies. Um, I think he makes entertaining movies anyway. The Prestige, for example, is another one that people use. Love the Prestige. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, so, love it. I don't. I know. saw the I saw the twist coming, and that very rarely happens in the cinema. I often t- I never ever see the, the twist coming, but I did see it coming there. But I still enjoyed how you actually got there. I thought it was mm. fantastic, and it stands up to repeat viewings as well. It's also incidentally a lot better than the book, which I read um, a few months ago now. Uh, which is very, very odd. There are some big differences. I won't, I won't go into them too much. But um, there's no David Bowie as Edison, though, is there? So no, so it, it was uh, Tesla actually. Tesla, sorry. Tesla, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, there's no David Bowie as Tesla, obviously. But uh, yeah, there was definitely some de- decisions made for the for the film that were definitely the right ones, um, without wanting to spoil anything. But um, yeah, so that, I think that was very well suited to him because he he is all about like the trick, hmm. um, and the reveal is kind of <laughs> normally a letdown. <laughs> but um, yeah, I thought that was just the perfect the perfect film for him, really. Okay, well that's uh, all for the news and all for part one. Up next is what we've been watching.
what we've been watching then, where we have a look at some films we've seen in the last week. Could be new releases, could not be new releases. Makes it all more exciting for you. Uh, and Owen is going to start off this segment with a review of uh, Nightcrawler. Yeah, which isn't one of Marvel's films. It's not been announced as a I was so disappointed that it wasn't (laughs) about Nightcrawler. I love Nightcrawler. Yeah, unfortunately it's not. But uh, it's still a really good film, actually. Uh, It stars Jake Gyllenhaal as uh, a bit of a 'er ne'er-do-well who is uh, looking for his calling in life. Uh, And he finds it as a crime scene videographer. He accidentally discovers this profession uh, one evening. He sort of pulls over at the scene of a car accident. Um, on his way back from being rejected from yet another another job application. So he sort of sees his car accident, pulls over, and Bill Paxton suddenly pulls up with his van and his massive posh camera, and he sort of videos everything, all the gory details and the police as they're trying to rescue this person from a burning car. Um, and he follows Bill Paxton to his van, and he's asking him question after question after question, uh, and finds out that what he does, he, he videos these... Um, crime scenes or these uh, accidents or anything like that and sells it to news channels. This is what Bill Paxton does for a living. And then Gyllenhaal uh, becomes obsessed with this idea and he decides that as he's currently unemployed and he's looking for money he's going to give it a go. So um, through nefarious means he acquires some money to buy a camera and uh, then goes about uh, getting a police whatever they're called, you know, the things that pick up police uh, radio things. I've forgotten what it's called, never a mind. police radio thing. A police radio thing, thank mm. you, Steve. Yeah, I think that's the technical term. So he requires a police radio thing and a, a, a video camera, and then he starts finding these crimes that are happening, driving to them as quickly as he physically possibly can, and records them with the intention of selling them. And things don't go so well to start with, he begins to get a bit more successful at it, um, and in the end, to generate bigger and better news stories, he sort of ends up getting involved in a few crimes himself, in various different ways that perhaps you're not expecting. So, I'll leave it at that without without saying any more. Um, I'm not sure how that sounds to most people. It could sound like a story that you might think has potential, if it's done right. Or it probably sounds a bit ridiculous. Um, but honestly, it might possibly be one of my favourite films of the year. It is a bizarrely funny film at times. Really funny in places. But it's so dark and really twisted and all of those things at the same time. So it's just a, a brilliant film. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, it, I mean, he appears to be basically a high-functioning autistic, you know. He doesn't really understand why people interact with each other in the way they do. Um, ambiguity doesn't seem to sit well with him. It confuses him. And he's got a touch of OCD as well. Um, so I, I've seen him compared to um, Ryan Gosling in Drive. In that kind of... It's not actually stated that, that there's anything like that with his character, but you can pick it up yourself just from the way he interacts with the world. Um, but if you've seen the, if you've seen the trailer, you'll know that his motto is, you can't win the lottery unless you make the money to buy a ticket. So that gives you a very clear indication of the type of character that he's playing as well. Very ambitious, very driven, um, but a bit of a loony. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Gyllenhaal's performance as well, superb. 
I'm really beginning to like him quite a lot as an actor. Um, I mean, just within the crime thriller genre alone, the roles he plays are always quite varied. Uh, you know, like the nerdy guy in Zodiac or the kind of rough as houses detective in Prisoners last year. Uh, or, you know, the, the sort of hard as nails skinhead policeman in End of Watch. All very different characters, but consistently good performances from him. So I've been impressed quite a lot with him and, and he's just as good in Nightcrawler as he's been in anything else. Probably, possibly better, even. I'm I'm hearing Oscar whispers for him. Is it justified? Wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised. I know there are a lot of other good performances that people have been talking about from films I haven't seen yet. So Steve Carell in Foxcatcher's one. I'd be very so, amazed if anyone beats him. Yeah. Just um, yeah. <laughs> but it's definitely Oscar nomination worthy, in my yeah. opinion. Um, he's just brilliant in this. It's also the support cast. Also very good. Uh, Rene Russo, as the TV news producer, um, plays off good and all very well. They've got a lot of chemistry between them. Uh, in fact, I'd say the same thing about his relationship with his intern. He hires an intern called Rick, who's um, basically a guy living in a garage. And uh, <laughs> he's played by Riz Ahmed. And some of their interactions are very funny, very comical. And I assume it's intentionally so, because it's just so... <laughs> Dark at times, so really dark. The kind of crime scenes he's investigating, well not investigating, but videoing, and shoving his camera into like people who are bleeding to death's face and stuff like that. But it's, it's weirdly amusing in a strange sort of way. But it's also the, the relationship between, between those two which makes it as, as, as interesting as it, is, as it is. And I don't really want to say too much about their development over the course of the film because it's not necessarily done in a believable way, because it really does feel like a movie, if if that makes sense. But it's developed in a way that you're generally interested in both of them, um, and not just uh, Gil and all as, as Lewis. But away from the actual characters, I think um, Dan Gilroy, who's the writer and director, it's his first, his directorial debut. He's written for a few other things, but this is his directorial debut. I think it has a lot to say about the media as you, you might assume from sort of the way that he's trying to sell these videos, these really gory videos to, to a news channel. Uh, yeah, and particularly TV news is is the main focus, you know. A phrase that's used at one point by uh, by Bill Paxton's character, actually, says, if it bleeds, it leads. And it's a message that's hammered home throughout <laughs> the movie. Yeah, exactly. So it's funny, isn't it? But it's so dark. <laughs> and the message behind it as well is just really um, kind of poignant. It's... You know, why is ethical journalism given such a short shrift? You know, is it really because what people want to see is exploitation, is gore, is blood and guts on the breakfast news whilst they're kind of munching down on the cornflakes? It's, it, that's the, the, the point that it's trying to make. And to me, it, it, it does appear to be a damning indictment of the pressures that are placed on news channels to, to win ratings, to win viewers, for perhaps for sponsors, to make money, um, for greed. You know, that's kind of the main themes that are, that are running through this. Not just ambition, but the idea of making money, and that makes you successful. So, you know, perhaps perhaps it's saying something about that too. You know, I know in Britain we don't really have the same, um, such a severe problem as they have in, in the US, where the film is made and set. Uh, you know, I mean, you only have to look at their coverage of things like the Ebola crisis that's, to see how ridiculous and overblown some of their stories are. Um, but I think there's still a, a message that's relevant to UK viewers because, you know, it talks about the constant need to have 
have something to report on, to compete with other news channels. You know, we, like I say, we don't really have the same problem here so much, or supposedly with with someone like the BBC, who are meant to remain impartial and blah 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 blah. But there's still some commentary on that drive for big news stories at any expense. That's that's still quite relevant. Um, yeah, I mean, anyway, as I, as much as I enjoyed the whole film, there are a couple of negatives that are worth mentioning and worth being aware of before anyone goes to see it. Uh, it does take a teeny tiny dip in quality around a third of the way in. It's kind of once Gillenall's character gets into the newsroom for the first time, uh, and he gives a speech, and it's not so much the words that he's saying, more so the choice of soundtrack, which is completely weird. It's a weird choice of soundtrack through most of the film. But the music when he's in this newsroom and he's just I mean it's like something out of Big or the Mighty Ducks. It's that cheesy 80s American sentimental music that just doesn't fit and stuff like that creeps into the movie at various points and I'm not sure what the point of it is um, or what it's supposed to signify or why they went for something quite so so cheesy, but anyway. Also, some of the CGI is just fucking rubbish. It's rubbish. And there's not much CGI. There's a bit of fire. Um, there's another bit somewhere else that I can't remember which looks absolutely fucking shit as well. Um, but most of the action scenes are really good. There's an incredible, incredible car chase scene through this that's just fantastic to watch. And that, that doesn't, from what I can tell, doesn't have any CGI in it. But when they do use CGI, it just looks utter bollocks. It's it's shit. Um, at one point as well, there's a news reporter who's meant to be at a crime scene. He's quite clearly standing in front of a green screen, so to the point it just looks really naff. And I'm not sure why they decided to do that rather than just have someone actually on the scene. I don't know, but anyway, it looks it looks ridiculous. But despite all that, and I realise I'm kind of rambling at this point, but despite all that, I massively enjoyed Nightcrawler. Really enjoyed it. One of my favourites of the year. Brilliant performances. It's thrilling. It is intelligent. It's darkly funny as well as sickening, sickeningly disturbing. Um, yeah, brilliant film. Okay, uh, two films I've seen this week. Um, would usually do one, but do two. I haven't really got too much to say on either of them, unfortunately. Uh, first was American Mary. Second was Anchorman Two. Um, American Mary is a horror film. Uh, trying to watch a few horrors that might creep into my list for triple build. Uh, this didn't make it. Um, it was worth watching, but it's about a American girl studying to be a doctor, um, but isn't getting on perhaps as well as she'd like. I uh, guess invited to a party by other senior doctors at the hospital she works at, and gets raped. And it's about her revenge on these people, or this one doctor in particular. Also, while she quits um, medical school, she gets involved with some dodgy people and becomes somebody who practices and performs body modification surgery on clients, customers who want one of these strange body modifications that you see in various documentaries at the moment. I think there's one on Channel 4 a while ago, one on Channel 4 coming up, where people have all these weird funny, strange things done to themselves for some unbeknown reason. There's um, always one on Channel 4. If it's not Channel 4, it's on Channel 5. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was enjoying it. I think the performances um, were good, especially from the, the girl who played Mary, whose name escapes me at the moment. Um, 
Who's also the same girl from Ginger Snaps. Have you ever seen Ginger Snaps? No. Oh, God, years and years and years ago when it first came out. It's her, Ginger Snaps. Oh, wow. Yeah, weird. (laughs) But she's brilliant, as Steve says. She's brilliant. Uh, I mean, she's probably the best thing thing of it. It makes the film very watchable. But I just felt the plot was building up to something and building up to something and building up to something quite interesting. And then just kind of ended um, out of kind of nowhere and killed all of that. Um, yeah, it just kind of ended quite abruptly for me and, and stopped what was, was what could have been quite an interesting climax to the film. Um, wasn't really much of a horror, I didn't think, though, even though it's kind of on Netflix in all the kind of horror categories. Didn't really see... It, it was grim and gruesome. There was certainly some kind of... Um, very graphic and quite gruesome parts to the film uh, and gross-out moments, but there wasn't really anything that made me think, you know, scared me, in effect. Time now, then, for Triple Bill. Uh, This time, it is our favourite horror film's post-2010, or 2010 onwards, um, hopefully. Yes. 2010 inclusive, yes. Owen imposed these, these strict rules upon the three of us, uh, so, yes, tell us why you did that. There's two reasons, I suppose. One is, it's Halloween, of course, so we've got to have something horror-related on uh, on this episode of the podcast, and a triple bill, of course, it seems most logical, and um, to kind of tie into a series of articles we've had on the website recently, which I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you if you've read them, but we have... Of course I have. Yeah, okay. Yeah, them. Good. Uh, <laughs> so there's been me uh, and Mike, who's kind of our resident horror film watcher, who sort of goes to all of uh, the Fright Fest... Um, into the cell- celluloid screams horror festival as well. That's been happening Interview- in Sheffield. Interviews people. Interviews people, um, and then yeah. gets them to kind of retweet us. Relentlessly. times every day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I said to Owen before, as two people who have access to our Twitter account, the words "balls out torture porn" mean nothing <laughs> to me and Owen. Yeah. They're, they're, Jessica Cameron's quite fond of that that particular I quote think, from our. I article. think I read that. I must. I must read that sentence <laughs> at least once a day at the moment. Balls yeah. out, torture porn. <laughs> I mean, if I, was cert- if I was searching that once a day, then you'd have to, you know, cause a concern. But luckily, yeah. it's appearing on my Twitter feed. Exactly, it appears quite yeah. frequently. So that was that was thanks to Mike, which is brilliant because. You know, Jessica Cameron seems like she was a really interesting person during that interview for uh, her film Truth or Dare, which is still, of course, on the website, and you can find it by searching for her on Twitter, and will no doubt get it tweeted to you within a few seconds. But yeah. um, <laughs> also uh, contributing to the article was um, we had Paul and Andrew, who've written for the site in the past about various different things, and we also had Liam, who's a new writer for us, and um, find all of uh, all of these decade in horror. Um, film articles on the website. We've each picked our favourite film, basically, from, from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and the noughties, which actually goes out on Friday, on Halloween. So, Is, is that Liam's surname escapes me? Liam, who's uh, specifically asked me not to mention his surname. I'll but talk he, about... 
Grinch. Did, has has he written for Born of Sight? No, not that Liam. No, different no. one. Different uh, Liam. I had, a, I had a good story, but it's different Liam. So the matter. So. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, tell us anyway. Well, let's attribute it to this Liam. No, unfortunately, <laughs> it's not this. This Liam didn't go missing for, for three days after uh, a Born of Sight meet up slash awards do. <laughs> this, is, this is not that Liam. So. It's not. It's a different Liam. Different uh, Liam. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he's he's been brilliant actually. Some of the stuff he's written uh, and the films he's chosen have been um, something different. I've learned something from his his uh, opinions and his his reviews. So there's there's that. So actually, all of, all of the articles have been pretty good. I'm really proud of them. So go and have a look at those, and um, hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, uh, you'll have you'll have read our final piece on the noughties. But sort of, sort of continuing those is why I decided, okay, because they end after 2009, we can carry on, in spirit at least, with 2010 onwards. And I think also we've probably done horror in general, at least one of the Halloweens we've been running for, yeah. if not both. We've no. had various different sort of scariest films and stuff mm. like that, so so this is this the, adds a little twist to it. Incidentally, before we start with our triple bill, what's your what's your favourite horror ever, both of you? Well, I think I'm quite um, typical and predictable because mine's Night of the Living Dead, from 1968. It's like um, one of my favourites ever. Uh. Probably Evil Dead 2. Yeah. I think, I think mine is The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah, it's a pretty good... I'd put it on about the same level as, as Alien, but I, I do prefer Alien. But what, have you seen The Fly, the David Cronenberg film? Oh, yeah, I like The Fly. No. Okay, give, give The Fly a go then, Steve, because I watched that recently, and... I'd put that about the same as just perhaps the, the tier below the thing, but they're, they're See, great sort of horror films. So I don't, I don't class Alien as a horror, even though I suppose it is really in many ways. Yeah, it hadn't even popped into my mind. I just, kind of, I just kind of thought, no, it's a, it's a sort sci-fi, sci-fi film, yeah. not a horror. But I suppose it is really a horror film in many ways. They're all running around scared from this big human monster's going to rip their head off. Yeah. <laughs> Well, exactly. Yeah, claustrophobic, sci-fi, paranoid, horror sort of film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, onto the, onto the subject of this week's Triple Bill then. Favourite horrors post-2010, 2010 onwards. Owen, your idea, you can go first. Okay, I will kick us off. Um, I did actually struggle with this one as well, but for slightly different reasons. I, 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 I had to narrow this down to just three films, whereas I believe you two have struggled a little bit to pick three that you really love. Is that fair enough? Yeah, yes. I, think that's, I, I think even even my three aren't ones that I say I would really love. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> right. So I've had the opposite problem where I've, I've watched quite a lot of horror films in general anyway, but I had a few, so I've, I've narrowed it down to these three, but... It could change next week. I might not be entirely happy with these by the time the podcast even gets published. So, so these are my, my first, my first pick of the three, um, is Your Next, which was released in 2012, I think, or early, um, 2013 here in the UK. I think, I think 2013. I remember six. Was that the kind of the, the home invasion one? It was the home invasion film. Yeah, exactly. 
um, by Adam Wingard, who um, I think directed it, and Simon Barrett wrote it, um, or wrote the script or screenplay. It's, yeah, it is a home invasion film, and to be perfectly honest, I think that's kind of what I loved about it, was it didn't try to be um, clever with the genre, it didn't try to add something original. Like, we've talked about The Den in the past, which did do something different, and it, it was very creative, and I really enjoyed The Den. However, your next is exactly what it says in the title. There's one person who gets killed, and then another person who gets killed, and they're in just their own home, being invaded by unknown people or persons. Um, and it's brilliant. It is a really interesting film. It's very exciting. It's very tense. Um, very unnerving as well, actually. I think the writing's pretty good in it. Um, the, the actual direction from, from Adam Lingard's brilliant. I love the soundtrack to it. There's just so much to it that I enjoy. Um, and I think I wasn't the only one who enjoyed that on the podcast. I'm sure oh, James liked it as me, well. Me and, me and James saw it, I think. Yeah. Is it is it just to kind of clarify, because there's a lot of horror similar names. It wasn't what they, anim, like animal masks when they were doing the home invasion. You, yeah, that was, no, the, that was with, the Purge, wasn't it? No, no, no the Purge, no. Purge was, oh, purge was whack. <laughs> <laughs> Although the Purge and the What does whack it. mean? Bad. Oh, okay. It, it's, it's, it's 80 street slang for whack. Uh, for bad is whack. It's so, <laughs> very much how I talk these days. Um, they were not wearing like animal masks when they were, yeah. they were doing that. Yeah, because I, I think me and James liked it up until kind of the last bit, and not to give anything away, but there was a, 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 the ending kind of I felt let it down, got a bit silly. Well, that that seems but, to be a, quite a common opinion. I think because at sort of a halfway point, it stops being a mystery who's invaded. And it decides to completely change the tone from one of this, um, uh, well, yeah, like I said, unnerving horror film. And it goes a little bit more actiony. And you've got this arse-kicking Australian girl who's basically the, the only person who can stand up to the, the, these invaders. And she sort of works out what's going on. Um, and she's really good, actually. Uh, I think it's, um, I'm trying to remember her name. Uh, Shani Vinson, I think her name is, and yeah, it's just a really, really fun film from that moment on. Very unnerving, very disturbing to start with, very twisted as well. There's, there's a lot of, um, if you like sort of torture porn type films, there's a lot of uh, gruesomeness that goes on in your next, and some pretty memorable death scenes as well. It has to be said, but I just thought towards the end. Really fun, and it, you know, it's the kind of film that, um, funny games with Michael Haneke that he tries to turn the, the sort of film around to you and say, Why do you enjoy these sort of films? And well, Mr. Haneke, it was because it's very enjoyable, it's very entertaining, and it is just, it's just a lot of fun. You're next. So, that's I agree. Definitely, yeah. worth, definitely one worth watching. Yeah, great. I'm glad you agree, and I hope, uh, I haven't just stolen one of your choices, but, uh, no, no. Okay. Good. <laughs> okay, so um, my next two, I went for ones that I don't think are as, quite as well known as um, your next. Your next was quite popular when it came out. Um, but the, the the next choice that I've gone for then is a film called Excision, which um, I did recommend to you not too long ago, I think, Steve. Did you ever watch it in the end? I don't think I got round to it, no. Okay. It's a... 
very peculiar sort of film. Uh, it follows this girl called Pauline, who's um, she's a teenager, and she's played by uh, Anne-Lynn McCord. Um, so it's, it's, it's she's a very disturbed teenage girl. Um, her sister, who's played by uh, Ariel Winter, uh, is dying from cystic fibrosis. So it's already quite a, on a bit of a downer to start with. And Pauline's bullied by people at school, uh, bullied by her mom, in fact. And part of the way that that presents itself is in the, some quite disturbing psychosexual fantasies that she has. So it's a bit weird. It's a very weird film. Um, but anyway, to try and help her sister, she decides that she wants to become a surgeon. And that's, that suddenly becomes her passion. She wants to become a surgeon. And she doesn't really care about studying or school or getting qualifications. So she decides she's just going to read a few books about it. And things start to get even weirder than they already were. Um, so on the one hand, I absolutely loved Excision. It's like no other horror film that I'd seen from sort of this decade, in fact. Um, it's a very psychological thriller. Uh, it's just done so brilliantly well. It's nightmarish. There's atmosphere that runs through throughout the whole thing. Um, but on the other hand, I kind of don't know how to interpret some of it. It's Some of it's so dark that it's just silly and it's hard to take seriously. Um, she has a lot of these weird dreams, these sort of sexual fantasies that she has. And they're just, they are uncomfortable, but they're also just a bit ridiculous, to be to be quite honest. They were just, just stupid, some of them. So it detracts a little bit from that. But, but like I say, the bits that are, that are good, um, aside from the fact that it's a bit inconsistent, the bits that are good are fantastic. And it's not a predictable film. It's, it is a painful watch at times. Um, but it is just a, it's a brilliant film. It also features quite a few, like, famous people from, uh, from the genre. So you've got, like, Malcolm McDowell, who's in it, playing one of her teachers. And uh, Ray Wise, as well, even pops up in sort of a minor role. So you've got these quite well-known actors uh, in a really B-movie-esque, strange, um, well, yeah, like I said earlier, a nightmarish horror film. So it's definitely worth a watch, though. I think I recommended it to uh, a guy who follows us on Twitter, um, the Crazy Munchkin. Uh, it's at Munchkin365 on Twitter. Um, and he had a similar reaction to me as well, so lots to enjoy about it. It's just a bit strange. A lot strange, in fact. Very strange. So, that's my second choice. Um, now my final choice was a little, I had a, a bit of a debate with myself as to whether or not to include it. Um, but I'm gonna anyway. It's VHS 2. So, did either of you watch the VHS films? Or, uh, I've even seen like... the first one, and I watched about half of the second one, and I don't know, I mean, it was on Netflix, so I'm, I'm assuming there wasn't anything wrong with it, and it, mm. it was a choice made by the, the director, but, like, the audio was really weird on it, is that, oh, right. was, like, did I have, like, a really bad, you know, it was on Netflix, but, you know, like, it seemed like the audio kept cutting out, and it was quiet for, like, you'd hear background noise. But you wouldn't hear the the, the people yeah. talking. But you wouldn't hear them talk. I don't know if I had a bad somehow think, on Netflix a bad copy or. I think that copy. yeah probably was your computer then. 
Because nice. didn't, no, I it's on, it, was, it was playing on Netflix through my Xbox on the television. But it was like you'd say, say there was there was one I think with one sec, a segment with zombies, and so the people yeah. were cycling. So you'd hear them, you'd hear like birds and things in the background, but you wouldn't hear the talking that was obviously happening. Huh. No, um, well, definitely. Oh, yeah, sort of. I suppose I see what you mean. Yeah, because it, it it's slightly damaged footage. So, to right. kind of explain how, how VHS films work to people, they're anthology films um, with uh, a famed footage twist to them. So, there's a, a series of films, usually I think there's about five in each in each film, with a wraparound story as well. Um, but it's all, it's all famed footage, or sort of point-of-view cameras, or sort of uh, the sort of shaky cam stuff, you know, that annoys a lot of people, but actually Go, quite like GoPro and things like that, isn't it? And yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know, they, I think they're quite ambitious projects. And th- there's one particular short film which is involved in VHS two, which is just, I mean, by far and away, if this was just this one segment was turned into a feature film or just even released on it uh, on its own that would have probably made my top 3 purely because it's brilliant and that that's a segment which is um written and directed by uh Timo Tajanto and Gareth Evans the guy who did the raid and it's it's kind of like a documentary crew who are interviewing the, this leader of an Indonesian cult. So I don't know whether you got this far into it, Steve, before you gave up. Yeah, I saw that bit. Yeah, which which was one of the best. Well, one of the best bit. I mean, I really liked VHS one, the first one. Um, but this one, I don't know. The audio thing just annoyed me. <laughs> but may, maybe it was a problem with my <laughs> or something. But I think if it was annoying you that much, it pro- probably was your your computer because it didn't didn't affect me at all, and particularly yeah. not during this segment. Um, it's insane. It's just terrifying and brilliant all at the same time. Um, it's just because it focuses on this Indonesian cult, and to start with, it's just a bit like you're watching a documentary crew go into a cult, and you know, oh yeah, aren't, aren't cults a bit weird? Aren't they a bit strange? And oh, why do they worship this guy? And then it just gets creepier and scarier and more intense, and without it sort of giving away anything that happens during the actual reveals of, of what's going on. It's just mind-blowing. And there's, there's an action sequence in it. I think it's fair enough for me to call it an action sequence. It's incredible. It is it just absolutely brilliantly well shot. Considering it's just a short film, absolutely faultless, I think. One of the best short films I've seen. And... Aside from the fact that the other the other stories that are around um, around this also are quite enjoyable, that particular segment pff, phenomenal. So those are my three choices in the end. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, <coughs> my first, which is going to annoy Carol now, this <laughs> one that she wanted to pick, was Cabin in the Woods. Oh, fuck! <laughs> there you go. There you go. The utterance of annoyance there. Um, but yeah. I mean, it's not really a scary horror film. It's more of a parody or um, of, of horror films or the horror genre in in general. But it was excellently done, very funny, very well done. And as one the first uh, new release review 
that Fail Critics ever done holds holds some memories, I'd say, for, <laughs> for me and the podcast. It's just you, Nate. <coughs> you were the only remaining member of that first ever podcast. Yeah, the only one that we can't get rid of. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so... Um, yeah, it's a really, yeah. it's quite a meta film, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's there's no there's no point where you feel scared or creeped out or anything like that, um, but it is obviously, you know, te- taking the mick out of the horror genre um, very well. And yeah, in a kind of loving way, isn't it? It's yeah. I mean, for for anyone who doesn't hasn't seen it, five teenagers they're meant to be teenagers head off to a cabin in the woods, and you've got like the the stereotypical kind of five teams that you have in horror films, so the jock, the slut, the nerd, the stoner, and another one that I can't remember, and stuff starts happening, and it go, you know, goes from there, as a lot of horror films do. Um, but yeah, Carol, any input other than, for fuck's sake? For <laughs> fuck's sake. I really like this film. Um, I only, I think I only saw it last year actually after loads of people saying, oh, you need to see it, you need to see it, you really enjoy it. Uh, and I was kind of, oh, okay, well, it looks a bit, you know, it looks a bit just average horror really. And, uh, yeah, I did really enjoy it. I, I very much like, I've come to realise I don't really like straight up horror films. I like ones that take the piss of it. Um, like Scream is probably the best example. It's not, it's not quite as good as Scream in my opinion, but it's still really good, especially just the end, the ending's just mental, isn't it? Mm. Yes, the ending is, is nuts. Um, second film I picked is... See, this, I really struggle with this. I think a lot of the films that I did like from recent years kind of missed being 2010 onwards by just a few months. Um, so this this one I went for is Insidious, um, starring Patrick Wilson and others. Can't, you know, I can't remember too much, but I can't say too much about it, but what I will say is it did creep me out a bit. Um, or a fair bit, which is kind of what I try to look for in a horror film. Is one that makes me not sleep. <laughs> if, if a horror if a horror film can make me not sleep easily, it's done its job, and and this did that, and that's that's really all I can say about it. <laughs> I'd say the the trailer for Insidious really put me off because it had like the the uh, the cards like in between uh, clips, and it would have uh, kind of like. Uh, words in between, and the words came out to insidious is insidious, and I was just like, "What? I don't. What? What are you talking about? I don't even understand why you're saying that. Of course, it's insidious. That's why it's called insidious. I think they were just like experimenting with how many people actually watched for those words in between bits of yeah. film in the trailer. It was just some stupid trailer I've ever seen, <laughs> and it annoyed me grammatically and and just generally. I think the thing uh, I liked about Insidious was that the first half of it uh, was brilliant. The first half was really, um, like you said, it's quite scary, you know. Um, some of the jumps, they're a little bit cliched, but they're done really well. Um, there's a bit where they walk past the bedroom, I can always remember. And that creeped me out the first time yeah. I saw that. Um, but the second half of the film lets it down for me. There's a kind of change in tone where things go through the sort of astral projection nonsense and I just felt a little bit disappointed. Yeah, with it, I've it? noticed that in a lot of modern horror films it kind of changes changes angle or tact yeah. or direction kind of two thirds the way through a film and kind of changes the kind of film it is and mostly for the worse. Yeah. Um, I mean I saw the Babadook yesterday and most people most people have been 
praising it quite highly, but didn't really go much on it. And it's probably the same kind of thing. It kind of changed the way it was going in the last third of the film, which kind of annoyed me. And there was like a Home Alone kind of bit, which was a bit <laughs> dumb as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, the final choice I've made is Paranormal Activity 2, which is mainly so I can talk about Paranormal Activity 1 as well. <laughs> so I, I told you I was fiddling this a bit, but um, I, always, I always will find, especially now James has gone, I will always find a way to fiddle the rules of a triple bill. Uh, uh, well, I've been doing that even when he wasn't here. So. Yeah. Um, but yes, I mean, I still think Paranormal Activity 2 did the same the same things well as what Paranormal Activity 1 did. I think the series kind of lost its its edge or its... I don't know what you want to call it, but it's lost it now. I mean, the only reason I'll keep watching them is to find out the end of the character's yeah. journey. I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to kind of scare me or freak me out anymore. I think Paranormal Activity still did that. Uh, and that, and the first one did their, did their jobs well of kind of Basically, re- reinvigorating the found footage genre, which has had a lot of bad films. I mean, mm. I know it's a cheap way of making a film, but it's had a lot of bad ones. It mostly seems to be horror films, is, is found footage. There's not a lot of non-horror found footage. Um, but yeah, I found Paranormal Activity 1 and 2 genuinely creepy, genuinely very well done. Um, kind of built up the tension really well with just little things happening. Um, that you'd see on kind of CCTV or security camera or something. Just built it up really slowly and then kind of ramped it up at the right time. Um, I remember going to see this in the cinema with the lads I lived with at uni. Um, obviously all, all lads, five lads. Uh, and all went, and all, and all went back. Didn't really help ourselves by getting back to our house and then looking up ghost videos on, on YouTube <laughs> and trying to find the most convincing ones. And then none of us could sleep and we were five. Lads, like lads, lads, and none of us could sleep properly. So, I mean, it it done its job very well. If it made the five of us not sleep properly, yeah, I I agree. It did the same to me. It's one of those. I always say it about films: if it makes you run up the stairs a bit quicker on the way to bed, then as a horror film, it's done its job, hasn't it? Because um, the Paranormal Activity films are, are perfect for that, particularly those first two. Yeah. I think there is a little bit of, um, I don't know, they kind of overdid it slightly in the second one. Because isn't, isn't it about like two hours long? And it's just, yeah, I don't know. But, um, no, it's film. only 91 minutes long. It's only an hour and a half. Was it? Uh, perhaps it was the third one that was quite long. Though, I think, but... I think the third one, I mean, the fourth one I didn't mind. I think the third one's definitely the weakest of all. Mm. All four that has been released. I've not seen the the Mexican one, whatever that's called. The about. marked ones, yeah. Yeah. Actually, not Mexican. I always thought it was Mexican, and then I looked it up, and actually, it's not set in Mexico. They're just a Mexican community in America, which I didn't realise. But there you go. Right, uh, and carry on to yours now, which isn't going to include Cabin in the Woods. No, well, uh, I'll just I'll just rejig my list. No, I think I knew you were going to pick that anyway, so uh, it's fine. I've got I've got contingency. Um. So yeah, I'm not a massive horror fan as as you two, well as, as Owen is particularly. Um, I, I just don't particularly find it a very interesting genre, to be honest. So I much prefer um, uh, ones that are kind of slightly different. As I said, uh, with Cabin in the Woods, ones that make me laugh are always good, and Scream's the best one, I think. 
Um, but I also like, uh, and, and James has backed me up here in that this, this film is horror, even though it's not really marketed as such, it's more marketed as an action. But, uh, The Guest is going to be my mm. first pick. I, Owen, do you agree that it could be horror? I think so. Um, yeah. you know, the point of a horror film is it's quite horrific and makes you feel uncomfortable, and that's part of what The Guest is aiming to do. So yeah, yeah. spoiler alert, it's in. Good, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the, the plot, obviously, is actually quite a recent release, I think. I don't think it's out on Blu-ray yet. Um, but the plot is, uh, essentially, a soldier turns up to a house of, um, a family where their son has been killed um, in a war. I can't remember which one it was particularly. Uh, he claims that he was in uh, the son's kind of regiment, and there are pictures of him actually in the house. Um, so they say okay, and they kind of let him stay for a little bit, and gradually it, it starts to become clear that he might not be as he seems, and it, and it kind of goes on. I don't want to give too much away, but it's got a fantastic ending 20 minutes which is just ridiculous it just goes <laughs> so ridiculously over the top but it absolutely works because of the, the, the way it's framed uh you know basically if you weren't actually it pretty much does tip into horror at that point doesn't it um yeah. the setting and and everything that, that starts happening um i just i just found it really funny i found it really refreshing um it was uh, very enjoyable and yeah, it's really good. I, I recommend that you check it out when it does make it to Netflix. Um, I think it did quite well in uh, at, at the cinema. I don't think it was expected to do that well, but I, I think it did all right. Got a lot of word of mouth about it. I think and lots of people were recommending it, which is good. Yeah, I, we we praised it quite highly here because I think James and I saw it, and then you saw it a couple of weeks later, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. In London, um, at the cinema world you normally go to, I think. Oh, it's closed down now. The one that's closed, yeah. Yeah, so uh, no more walking through like a deserted, uh, <laughs> des- <laughs> deserted right. theme park. That was a bit Chocodero weird. R.I.P. <laughs> really builds the atmosphere that if you were going to see a horror film. Uh, yes, walking. absolutely. You can totally, you can totally imagine zombies like hiding in the corner, exactly. on some unsuspecting cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's doing um, quite well actually, Adam Wingard, so far in our triple bill. That's your next VHS two, and the guest is added. Oh, very good. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I, I knew you'd done your next. I didn't know you did VHS two. Oh, well, there you go. He's obviously yeah. one of our favourite horror directors exactly. without actually realising it. <laughs> um, so my second, uh, my second pick is more of a, like a psychological horror, actually, um, which I wasn't really expecting going in, but it was it was quite horrifying, which is Black Swan. Hmm. Which That's a really I, good choice. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Didn't even occur to uh, me, but yeah, brilliant. Yeah, uh, I find I found it compl- that, like there are certain parts of it which are completely horrifying. There are certain parts which are genuinely creepy as well. There are um, obviously if you haven't seen it, uh, it's about a um, a ballet dancer, and she gets uh, the main part in Swan Lake, and she's having problems convincing everyone because she's quite sweet and, and kind of virginal. She's having problems convincing everyone that she can do the the black swan as well as the white swan, and she starts to kind of descend into into madness. So it's very it's very psychological that you know there's not well there is a little bit of blood, but there's not an, an awful lot of blood. But it is genuinely creepy in some points because she starts imagining things, and there's this point where her mum does portraits, 
and she sees the portraits move out of the corner of her eye. And you're not sure you've seen it either, but when you watch it back, you definitely have. And it's it's just little kind of touches like that, which is very creepy. And she she starts to lose her mind, um, and it all kind of climaxes at the performance of of Swan Lake, um, which again is really unsettling. So um, yeah, it was dev- I think probably my second favourite Aronofsky film after The Fountain, obviously. Uh-huh. Come at me. <laughs> I think it's probably um, my my actual favourite. Uh, it's very it's up there definitely. It's 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 probably the one I've watched the most. I think I've watched it three or four times. Um, but yeah, I was just really really pleased with it, and I think that prob- probably kind of marked his step up into into big things like Noah. So mm. that was uh, that was well, a welcome it, for all of us. Yeah, it was that and the wrestler, wasn't it? That just sort of propelled him into this mainstream. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I don't know whether Noah's going to prepare him back out again, but uh, <laughs> I, I think he did alright, actually. I, I, don't, I don't think it did too badly in the end. I, I, I think, like it. I, I think, I thought Noah was okay, and uh, any any Bible story starring Ray Winston is, is welcome. <laughs> I'm, here to kill, I'm here to kill your rock monster. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I didn't mind it. It just wasn't... I mean, you're never going to get the, the weirdness that you get with his uh, 15 and 18 rated films, I suppose. But, I mean, yeah, the rock monsters were weird. But, um. Well, I don't, I don't know if they're in the original source material. I, I don't know. I'd have yeah. to, I'd have to read it again to find out. So I did, I did get given a Bible at work, but it was New Testament only, so I didn't get all the good stories. Ah. Uh, you, it, old, old Testament is, is where it's at. That's, it's, where, that's it, before it becomes cool. It's the best yeah. testament. It's like King, it's like Kings of Leon's first album. Like, yeah, this is pretty good, and then it just changes, and you're like, what the fuck is this? It's, I like, I like Korean. God smiting everyone, rather than, like, <laughs> exactly. everyone. Exactly, it's the safe Korean cinema of the religious world, isn't it? Lots I mean, of we've, <laughs> we've been, we've, we've been speaking about, kind of, of horror films changing their tone halfway through, well, the Bible definitely <laughs> did, didn't it? The original. That's the original, yeah. Yeah, it's the original <laughs> horror, and, um... But yeah, I, I felt I felt no sort of lacking some of the weirdness, but then I suppose it had to be toned down quite quite massively. But it was uh, weird yeah, though. I, I it, it, sorry, carry on, Carol. Sorry, <laughs> I, no, I, I, saying, I don't really have much more to say, to be honest. Uh, I was just going back to Noah. Just to say, it was it, it was weird in that it tried to ground itself in a, a reality, despite being um, about a Bible story, which is it's, a great. I mean, how do you know it's not real? Well, it's not. It's not. So then you've got this weird fantasy, (laughs) the weird fantasy element to it as well, though, with the rock monsters. And that was the only thing that held it back for me was the blending of reality and fantasy. I didn't think he did particularly well. Well, I I thought that he. uh, I thought he attempted quite well some of the some of the more obvious flaws that people have pointed out with with Noah's story, Um, like how did they all sleep? He just drugged them all. Like yeah. yeah okay I can t- <laughs> that's brilliant okay just go through with a candle every few hours and <laughs> letting off some sort of noxious fumes yep fine that's how they all didn't eat each other because that was the first thing you came up with at school wasn't it why aren't they all eating each other yeah. and your teacher was like shut up 
And uh, <laughs> stop pointing holes. If you're eight years old and can point flaws in this, then there must be something wrong with it. <laughs> no, that's not that's not the way they think. Yeah. Anyway, getting back to Liverpool, <laughs> Phil. My yeah. So my second pick is Black Swan. Um, my third pick. So I'm struggling a bit now here, to be perfectly honest, because I, I I haven't seen a lot of recent horror. So my last pick is probably going to be the only other film I have horror film that I've seen from 2010 onwards. Um, that hasn't already been mentioned, which is Final Destination 5. Yes. <laughs> wow. Why not? Sell that got one some, <laughs> It's Good. got some of the... It's got, first of all, I think it's actually got the best opening. You know, you know how it goes, right? Everyone, there's a massive disaster. Someone freaks out and they see a vision of the disaster and they sort of pull out of the disaster and a few people inexplicably go with them and then the disaster happens and then they start getting picked off one by one. They're all the same. But um, this one is... I really like the opening... Like, the, the aforementioned disaster is the one with the bridge. Have you have you, have you seen it? I don't yeah. think I've seen one past three. Oh, you must. Well, four isn't that good, actually. But, yeah, this one this one's actually... I've got like the creepy one. Undertaker mortician bloke in. No, not all of them. I think he was in the first two, but I don't think he's turned up since then. Or maybe he has in one more, actually. But I can't remember mm. off the top of my head. He's he's not in all of them. I, um, did, I didn't really get him. That's that's your that's your man. That's that's Candyman, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I think. Th- Come on, even I know that. Final <laughs> <Final Destination laughs> Five's the one with lots of things being thrown towards the screen, isn't it? Because it was three D. Um, both four and five have that. Yeah. Uh, Final Destination Five is the one with the bridge. The the beginning mm, thing's the one with the mm. bridge. And uh, it's got uh, Champ from Anchorman in it as one of the guys who survives, and, and his destiny is hilarious. I don't think I'm spoiling it to say he dies. Um, yeah, it's got some of the best destiny. So that that's probably the best. I think that's the best like opening scene of the whole series. It's brilliant, just the way it's all put together. Um, and some of the best death scenes as well. There's a fantastic one with the uh, gymnastics uh, room, which is just brilliant, and one with uh, laser eye surgery, which just put me off. Forever, <laughs> <laughs> which I kind of knew it was going to do going in, but um, yeah, I just I just find it very funny. I remember going to see the original one in the cinema because I am that old, and um, and we found it hilarious. Like the, me and the group of friends I was with just found it absolutely hilarious, and the people around us were giving us really funny looks, even after these people were getting killed in completely ridiculous fashion. But now everyone's cottoned on, and it and it's and it's actually really funny. So. Um, yeah, you know, it's not going to win any awards, but the, the way it's—I think that's probably the last one. I, I haven't heard anything about a new one. Was that was that one the final destination then? Is that no, one no that was four. The final destination, but actually followed by final destination five. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But this one kind of ties up the whole franchise really, really nicely. Um, hmm. Again, don't want to ruin how, but. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just really fun, you know, and and I was really struggling at this point, so <laughs> it's it's worth it's worth watching. I think it's worth watching one, two, and five if if you if you want three is, is three the okay, roller coaster four isn't one. very good. Sorry, is three the roller coaster one or is that two? Um, no, I that's that one being okay. Three, no wait, is that four? No, wait, four is the, uh, is the IndyCar thing. Yeah, that, that's yeah. three. The Which one's the one that starts with the, um, the, like the, the road accident? That's two. 
that's quite well put together as well, that okay. one. Yeah, I don't know if I've scary. seen any past two then. Yeah. I don't think but I've seen know, two, but I think I've seen the rest of them. You you could happily watch one, two and five and, and that would be it. Uh, three's the one where it's like getting a bit silly with the deaths and, and four's just daft because, yeah, it's just stuff flying yeah. towards your face all the time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, five, five, five's decent. And that concludes my triple bill. <laughs> Excellent. Did we have any suggestions from any of our media outlets? <laughs> yeah, we had a couple through um, Twitter and, and Football 365 Forum. A couple of people suggested um, the Kim Ji-Woon South Korean film, I Saw the Devil. Which um, I'm pleased about. I tried to sort of avoid it because to me it's a it's a thriller, and I could have picked thrillers, but then I could have picked like hundreds of films. So I just stuck to plain old rigid horror films. But I saw the Devil, fantastic film. Um, we also had um, Andrew, uh, who's been writing for the decade in horror series, who suggested American Mary, which I quite liked, but I don't think you really enjoyed that much, did you, Steve? No, I I didn't get what it was trying to do and thought the ending kind of just happened. Yeah, but yeah, the ending does sort of tail off a little bit. But, yeah, so, I mean, I agree with Andrew. That's, that could have been on my list easily. Um, we had Jackson Tyler suggesting uh, Kill List, the Ben Wheatley film, which is also one that just missed out on mine. A bit of a weird um, it's about two assassins, two British assassins, and it gets all a bit folky and the Wicker Man-esque towards, towards the middle part. But that I think brilliant. Sightseers was one that I was kind of toying with and couldn't mm. really decide whether it was proper horror. It's a weird one, isn't it, Sightseers? Cause it is, yeah, because that's the only one black. I've actually seen of his at the moment. I haven't seen Kill List and I haven't seen A Field oh. in England. Yeah, well, A Field in England is one of my favourite films. and Yeah, I need to get onto it because he's doing High Rise and I, I genuinely can't wait for that because it's one of my favourite books. Oh, really? Yes. Ah, I do love Ben Wheatley. I haven't been. I wasn't impressed with the Doctor Who episodes he did. But which, which yeah, ones did he? It's not really his fault. I don't, I don't think. Really <laughs> yeah, which, which ones did he do? I can't remember now. He did the first two. Yeah, mm. first two episodes. I've only watched the first one actually. I've got the rest of them saved up because I found it easier last season to just blitz through them in uh, you know, not, just one after another. The, I think, despite Peter Capaldi being a good Doctor, he's not had good scripts or stories. Yeah, he's got the same problem as Matt Smith had, to be honest. And, and the assistant. But it's all about the assistant. It's all about that bloody Clara. Mm. It's not about the doctor. The teacher. And obviously, with it being called Doctor Who, it probably should be. <laughs> yeah. But, um, anyway. So we had those those two suggestions. We also had from the forum, good old James got in touch with us as well and said... Uh, Who? He also picked Cabin in the Woods. And he chose a couple of others we haven't mentioned. One was The Conjuring which came out last year, and both me and James really enjoyed that, The Conjuring. By the same guy who did um, Insidious, James Wan. Um, he said that he was really impressed by the 70s feel of this film. And it is really a lot like a 70s occult horror. It's a great film. Um, and he also said Bar- Barbarian Sound Studio, which is another good film. Um, and he says, again, more due to the tone than the actual scares, which is fair enough, because it's not really scary. It's all about a guy recording sounds for a giallo film. But, yeah, there we go. Um, some pretty pretty good suggestions from people, I think. Yeah. Um, that's all for Triple Bill, then. 
nearly all for the podcast this week. Just got some recommendations for uh, the week ahead. I'm going to go with one that's on Netflix US. Um, everyone knows you can get Netflix different regions now. It's not a secret. And I don't think they've got a problem with it. So I'm quite happy to recommend something that's gone to Netflix US. And that is Django Unchained. Fantastic. One of my favourite Tarantino movies. Uh, Owen, yourself? Um, I've gone for... I thought as we were doing sort of a horror-themed triple bill, um, I, I went for a film that's actually on the Horror Channel, which is a, a Sky Channel 319. I'm not sure if it's on Freeview anymore. It used to be. No, I don't think oh, it is. That's annoying. They, they do old-school Doctor Who on there. It's pretty good. Oh, uh, yeah, they do. <laughs> um, but I don't watch Doctor Who. Uh, new or old, so unless Ben Wheatley's directed, but then otherwise it's not my bag. But I'm recommending a film called The Dead, which uh, was released in 2010. Um, it's a zombie film set in Africa, but made by two British guys, and it's a very slow, uh, walking pace sort of zombie film. Don't, so don't expect any running zombies or jumping zombies. Nothing like World War Z or... They're not zombies, zombies if they can run. Yeah, the, the force would shatter their ankles. If they, yeah. If they can, well, catch, if they can catch me... If they can catch me at a jog, they're not <laughs> zombies. Because if, if zombies happen, I'm very much relying on them not running for me to get through it. If they can run, I'm done. Well, okay. But these don't run, so you'd be okay with these guys. So um, yeah, it's on Monday at um, nine PM on the Horror Channel. Excellent, and Carol. Oh well, actually, unfortunately, mine is also on Monday at nine PM, but <laughs> it's on a it's on a channel that everyone can got can get. Sorry, it's on Five Star, uh, which is Drag Me to Hell, which I actually really like. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I have actually previously said not five minutes ago that I'm not a big fan of straight horror films. Um, but I watched this because obviously Sam Raimi has made the best one ever with uh, Evil Dead 2. <laughs> and, uh, and it was a bit of a palate cleanser really after the, the total shit tip that was Spider-Man 3. Mm, it was. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, a straight up horror film, isn't it really? And, uh, it's got some really effective scares in there and a really downbeat ending, which is really nice. You don't <laughs> often get that. Yeah. That's the thing probably that sticks with me the most is the ending. But uh, yeah, I, re- I remember enjoying it. I haven't seen it since it came out, but I remember enjoying it considerably. Excellent. Uh, so that's three films for you uh, to have a watch of before we come back around the same time next week. Um, with I can't remember which new releases there are, but I'm sure there'll be something for us to watch, won't there? There'll be a fair few. Usually uh, well, no crawlers <laughs> out, but we've obviously already looked at that. Yeah, uh, I'm sure there'll be a fair few horror films. Oh, Horns is out. Ah, yeah. Harry, Harry, Harry Potter 8. Is, yeah. Yes, <laughs> if you like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly um, Interstellar as well next week, isn't it? Or we, we see it in time. Yeah, possibly. But anyway, that's it for this week's podcast. We'll be back around the same time next week uh, with another one. Thanks to everybody who has contributed to this one anyway, or anyone who listens uh, and keeps keeps us uh, going. Uh, you can find our website www.failcritics.com
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 